No credentials. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at the Sound Logic Podcast. And today we are discussing album number 33 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Greatest Album List. This is Back to Black by Amy Winehouse. I tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. Try to make me record a podcast, and I said no, no, no. Oh boy, this is a, a a painful one to do. I didn't expect this, but I feel like I've had this like kind of lethargic sadness around just her story. Oh. Every every time I like dig a little deeper into who Amy Winehouse was, I get a little sadder, and then it kind of tarnishes the music in a way that I'm not I'm not sure what to do with either. So uh, huh. maybe there's something redeeming about talking it with talking through it with you, and hopefully. We get somewhere tonight, and I can process my grief a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I have to honestly say that is not how I expected you to start this episode <laughs> off. Or, <laughs> or, uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's, uh, it's. Bring I it mean, right her story is, his story is sad, but I didn't think that's how it started. Well, you know what? We'll get into that, and and certainly, an, a story like this, you can't listen to the music not have that impact your listening in some way right i think so i think i felt that as well i felt that as well uh but we'll don't want to get too much into it uh start with some details yeah let's dive right in details 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 so back to black was released 27th october in 2006 this was amy winehouse's second and unfortunately final studio album uh, due to her death in 2011 amy winehouse was the primary songwriter on this album she had a little bit of help from her producers and uh she borrowed on one of the tracks from another uh writing duo but she's she wrote she wrote all this herself mostly um it charted uh number four in canada number two in the u.s number one in the uk of course she's english so it did very well there and number one also in 18 other countries when it came out so uh i was talking to my wife nora about this and she said it's interesting that when we a lot of times when we talk about the success of an album it's so north american centric or really american centric i was thinking oh i didn't know uh no, I, oh yeah, it's a good album, and I, I, I think it was somewhat successful, but this was incredibly successful, because we don't always think about how successful it is everywhere else. Right. Um, and it was an extremely successful album. Uh, to date, 3.58 million copies sold in the UK alone. This makes it the UK's second best-selling album of the 21st century so far. I didn't look into what the number one is. I'm going to guess uh, Adele's 25 album but seems um, like a good guess yeah this is at which uh we'll get to why that's significant to this album and worldwide this has sold over 16 million copies 
We haven't talked about an album, or certainly not a new review, Ben, uh, in a while with those kind of numbers. Even some of the other ones we've talked about recently that are very popular, like uh, I know it's a more recent album, but Beyonce's Lemonade, you know, it's got a few million. Yeah. It's been a while, you know, 16 million. Now you get close to albums like Sgt. Pepper's and Thriller and um, Rumors, you know, that are like 20 million, 26 million, 16 million. That's... That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I wonder, I mean, I think there's a number of reasons, and we can get into this a little bit later in, once we start tackling the style, but I wonder if there's something about um, what we hear on this album and maybe its accessibility that uh, leads to oh, okay. a kind of global phenomenon rather than just a niche, like, American market um, or North American market. Uh, but I digress. We'll, we'll get to some of what's on here in a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, just a few notes. Uh, this was co-produced by Mark Ronson. You know Mark Ronson, Ben? No. Should I? I think that uh, people in the music world would know him. Uh, uh, a well-known producer, uh, musician as well. Uh, he, he uh, <laughs> you know Up Down Funk? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruno Mars? Well, that that's a Mark Ronson song featuring Bruno Mars. So that's probably oh. how... how uh, regular people like you and I would know <laughs> would know him, but I think he's well known in in the in the kind of music inner world. Yeah. Um, recorded in a few different uh, studios in New York, uh, Miami, and London. A big part of the sound of this album, uh, Amy Winehouse, after her first album, uh, really gravitated to this '60s sound uh, while she was writing this album. And so she enlisted the help of uh, Sharon Jones and her band, the Dap Kings. And that's a big part of, of this sound we get. The horns, the vocals, uh, all the different instrumentation and the arrangements is, I think, uh, her idea. But but bringing those artists in and that band in, mm-hmm. uh, the Dap Kings, uh, is a big part of the sound. So I think that's important to note uh, in the production of the album. Do you think this is an appropriate time to talk about her downfall like just into who she is or do you think that should come up while we're listening to it no that that has to do with the production of the album so i might i might be getting some of the names wrong but uh so her first album which was called frank which was not really it her voice has got a similar sound but it's not got the same 60s feel as this album but that was about an 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 ex an ex-boyfriend or an ex-partner and then she um as she, in 2005, she was with uh, Blake uh, Fielder Civil, who's a British actor, um, and then and that's where she said that when she was with him, they were always listening to 60s music, and uh, then he left her to be with his ex-girlfriend, and then she that's when she produced the album. Uh, she would eventually get back together with him and they would get married Mm -hmm. a a person she's a person with a lot of drama but i think those relationships not only caused some of the uh, addiction issues that she had but also um was the inspiration for a lot of the the music and, and the lyrics of this album yeah i think it's easy to blame blake for um her demise and i think some people have i know he's talked uh after her death about um, feeling some some guilt, uh, he was the one who introduced her to harder drugs, and um, I've read that. Uh, so I'm I'm sure he carries some survivor guilt in in that regard. 
Um, but she sounds like a person who has had demons plaguing her for most of her life. Um, her, her brother, after her death, came out very publicly and talked about her battles with anorexia and bulimia. And his hypothesis, although I don't know that this has ever been proven, is that her body um, was so physically damaged by years and years of, uh, of abuse through that anorexia and bulimia that... Um, the uh, her system couldn't handle her um, sort of overindulging in other substances. Um, yeah, she she had something insane like a 0. 0.4 uh, blood alcohol level um, when she died, uh, and that would kill a lot of people, but especially someone with a weakened immune system. Um, right. Uh, so so yeah, it just I, I don't know. It just feels. It feels tragic. Um, you can find footage of uh, her final tour that was canceled because her first show was such a disaster. She was sort of like barely able to stand on stage. She started introducing the band like partway through an opening number. Um, she had one of the backup singers take over lead vocals for her while she sat on the ground and like took her shoes off. It just looks like a, a I don't know, it looks like a, a tragedy unfolding. And we, yeah. when you've got this figure in her life kind of propping her up with drugs along the way um, uh, combined with the incredible fame of, of a multi-million uh, selling album uh, it just it all just feels very very painful um, you can hear this heart on this album uh, throughout the whole thing and um, yeah and I think it's it, it, I don't know there, we've talked a couple of times maybe when Bruce Springsteen was uh, on the table about people who are are sound older than their actual age, um, uh, like Bruce seems like he's always been older than forty five, even <laughs> even when he was twenty, and I get the same sort of vibe from Amy Winehouse. Yeah, like she's got that's this a great like, comparison. She's got this like kind of soul to her voice that you don't expect to be from someone in their twenties, um, and and yet here she was, sort of like pouring pouring herself out in this in this record. Maybe because of all that she's been through. That's that's a great comparison with Bruce Springsteen. I, I heard "Born to Run" on the radio today. I know that's one of your favorites, Ben. Um, and I just was thinking again that he was like in his early twenties when he mm-hmm. recorded that, and he sounds like he's in his fifties, you know. And right, right. And I think there's 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 a there's a maturity to her voice. Um, I, I go back to hearing an interview with Tony Bennett after she passed and saying that you know. He was just so uh, impressed and thrilled to work with her, and he reminded her of like a, I think he said Dinah Washington, hmm. and she was thrilled that he, that he would uh, he would come. She said, "You you knew her?" He said, "Oh yeah, we worked together." And she was thrilled because she really was a big fan of that music. Um, hmm. That was a big part. It wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a gimmick what she did worked well it did yeah. work well for sales and for but it wasn't a gimmick this was there was the music she was really into to image to her look you know with the big uh the beehive yeah. I mean, no one no one was doing that no in the mid 2000s i don't even think anyone's real i think people have maybe again as a gimmick done it done it since then but no one was doing that then yeah Yet it was like and it was sort of i remember seeing her and thinking I can't tell if like I think it's really really cool and maybe a little sexy as well or really silly. Mm-hmm. Like I guess I, someone, I 
can't I can't tell, but I'm I'm interested, you know. Like, yeah. So there's just some. Um, yeah, that uh, you talked about her. I guess. Well, we'll get, actually we'll get into that later. That's the heart <laughs> of the music. Do you remember uh, Joss Stone? Another, I do. Another English. Another British. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From. I want to say from before this, though. Like yeah, just she a was couple out. years, though, I think, before yeah. that. But she kind of felt... I really liked her album where she kind of rose to prominence. I don't even remember what it was called. I, but I think I owned it maybe even at a time. But I think you did. It felt kind of like a shtick sort of later, like kind of a jazzy mm. thing um, that wasn't really... It didn't really fit with what was happening in pop music at the time. Um, but was poppy enough to draw people in, but then didn't really have any lasting power. I, it makes me wonder if Amy would have had a bit more longevity. Would people have been drawn back to this sound, or would she have to have continually reinvented herself to try and be um, something new every time? Um, or could this sort of vintage-sounding music continue to propel her um i don't know it, it's it's made me wonder this week while i've been listening to it i think acoustic sounding acts whether it's uh an indie folk bluegrass act like uh, mumford and sons mm-hmm. or some of the, the the bigger acts that have you know live acoustic sounds i think that has became continued to become popular i think in the late the late first uh, decade Mm-hmm. Uh, the late 2000s you yeah. so i think that that big band sound uh with the horns uh and the background vocals that you hear on this album i think that we saw a big comeback around this time and has continued to be very popular anything more stripped down because it, the 90s gave us you know this more and more electronic processed dancey sound and i think people pulled away from that before we go on, and, and I want to talk more about the music and the influence, yeah. um, let's talk about the artwork. Um, I've got, I pulled two images, bec- and I couldn't, I don't know if I remember seeing this album cover when it came, when it was out. Um, I don't, when I look at it, I don't think of it as, oh yeah, this is an image I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's two. There was one for the for the UK release and then right. there was another one for the US and I think in Japan and other places use the one it looks like she's in a you can't really see but it looks like she's in a reclining in a bathtub mm-hmm. uh, but you can't you can really only see just the edge of the tub so it's not uh, and the other one she's sitting on a she's sitting on a stool you can see her I don't think she was very tall but she because she was so thin she had that appearance of just that very long yeah. body so you, the one thing i noticed in the picture is like it looks like her legs are extremely long and that's again a very 50s 60s thing to uh-huh. show to show a woman's long legs you know, <laughs> um, we've talked about many times one of our favorite christmas movies is is white christmas and there's three or four scenes where the the key actors are actually not on the foreground they're in the midground but right in the foreground there is a lady sitting and her legs are like <laughs> take up like a third right. of the shot right. just a pair of legs right. you know and and i remember my wife pointing that out she's like oh yeah that's a big thing in these <laughs> movies and then sure enough throughout the movie there'd just be a, a pair right. of legs in front yep. of everything else so yep. i kind of get that here um uh-huh. with the the uk album i don't know it's, it, i think is she sitting in front of is that a blackboard it looks like one yeah 
I'm glad to hear that that's the UK album because that one is not familiar to me at all. The the one where right. she's reclining in the bathtub is the one that I would have remembered. Okay, that's familiar. The the lettering, it's sort of like um, oh like like almost like a fifties like fifties diner font. Okay, I was gonna go with something from like car racing. Like it looks like it should be spelling yeah. out motor speedway or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 got that, but it's almost got this uh also chrome feel to it which was very very 90s that you wanted to make things in your album look mm-hmm. like they were metal cuz now we've got we've got computer graphics and so I don't know, it was the lettering to me seems I think they could have done maybe a little better job at making it look like it was like 60s like 60s font classic cars classic speedway you know that's what i wanted to say <laughs> yeah yeah uh, something like that i agree uh not psychedelic but but uh, maybe even 50s mm-hmm. um font anyways the one with her sitting in the chair which was the uk cover um yeah she she doesn't look this is maybe a horrible thing to say but she doesn't look well necessarily she she looks um, kind of sad, actually, when I when I see her sitting there, and the the American cover, the way that she's got her arm kind of yeah postured, almost looks like she's like flexing her bicep. It looks powerful, and you know she's the same person just with a a different posture, and they give off very two very different uh, feels. Yeah, you, uh, you've I, I think the back to the on the UK one. You know, back to black, mm-hmm. so she's in front of a blackboard, right? And mm-hmm. the other one is just a black background. But yeah, right. you've got the hand up. Uh, you can see her hairs up in that one, which is more of her like you know her signature look. Um, whereas the other, the UK one, her hair is down. And you know, if, if you've taken any leadership courses or even talked about you know business or interviewing practices, you learn about you know power poses. Yeah, but this is the opposite of a power pose. Um, you know, not slouching, but a little bit slumped forward, hands in between the legs. These these are all poses that we would call insecure poses. Mm. And power poses are, are strong. You 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 show a position of prominence. Uh, there's different things you do. You know, hands on the hips or crossed arms or you know, one arm up on a chair or a leg. You know, your legs mm-hmm. uh, uh, spread out a little bit. Um, this is the opposite of that. You know, hands <laughs> together, shoulders down. Right? No. So, yeah. like, it does give it does give a bit of the look of someone who's who's not well or not powerful. Yeah. Again, very different than the kind of even the 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 lighting on the U.S. album. You mm-hmm. get this warm golden yeah kind of look on her on her skin. Um, so very very different images being portrayed. Maybe it's the chalkboard and the sort of hard stool that she's sitting on. It almost looks like a kid who's been scolded in class or something. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I mean, I like both pictures, but I think the I think the UK one kind of fits with the album better because um, I guess this is a, I guess this is a good transition. You know, you get this this happy poppy, uh, you know, in a sixty sense poppy sound contrasted with with some kind of depressing lyrics um (laughs) and a lot of the songs are not they're not love songs they're not Mm -hmm. you know they're things things aren't going so great or here's here's struggles i have or challenges i have with romance or life or self-image or whatever Mm -hmm. um yet the backdrop of it so some again my wife will call this you know this this musical irony Mm -hmm. something that sounds really 
positive, but it's it's not at all. <laughs> uh, and and that isn't that a picture of of Amy Winehouse to see a photo shoot of her, you know, this kind of glamour beehive, you know, with when she was dressed in kind of that retro 50s, 60s look, but yet inside, you know, just in turmoil and with so many different issues. Yeah, um, very very interesting. Um, I would go. I would assume you and I are in the same boat, Ben, that you hadn't listened to this album before, or had you? No, I think the only song I would have been familiar with is Rehab. Uh, Back to Black right. sounds somewhat familiar yeah, to me. Yeah, those were the two. Those are the two for me. It wasn't as familiar. Um, and I think because of the vibe that I get from Rehab, almost a sarcastic song, I thought this album would be a little bit more lighthearted and maybe a little bit jokier. <laughs> I don't think that I thought of her as a like really serious artist. I thought she was sort of a sarcastic kind of attitude first and foremost kind of kind of artist because of that song. Uh you know, pop hit with some some attitude. Yeah. To to hear like kind of the soulful stuff here, um it does have that interesting blend of like upbeat songs with down uh <laughs> lyrics but there's way more here than i was anticipating <laughs> and i'm a little yeah. embarrassed to admit that i kind of judged a book by its cover or judged a album by its lead single <laughs> <laughs> yeah that and that's an uh it's one of those ones where i don't want to say that that single is misleading but it is a little bit because the whole album isn't just that there is a lot of that on the album but right. um but you, but it does give a picture because again, it's it's there's there's a there's kind of a heaviness to that song, even though it is a fun song, mm-hmm. <laughs> and is a little a little snarky, a little tongue in cheek. But there's also kind of a uh, something kind of deep and even mm-hmm. dark about it. Uh, I I think I've been trying to hold back, but but one one of my favorite songs on the album is uh, "My Tears Dry on Their Own," uh, which. Uh, I, I think title. does this <laughs> it, it's it's a fantastic a fantastic line uh really really great um and you know, what she's done on this song uh if you haven't you know pause this pause the podcast yeah. if you haven't listened to it go listen to this track it's a great yeah. track what she's done is she's taken the music from um that great marvin gay song from the 60s ain't no mountain high enough right she's taken the you know, pretty much a straight lift of the music, but she's put a different melody and lyrics on top, uh, which is again a fun-sounding melody and lyrics, uh, very dark and sad <laughs> about you know being kind of being uh, let down by her by her love, you know, or, or waiting for someone who's never gonna really love her back. Um, and and it's <laughs> I I I heard the lyrics, but I was like, I gotta read these because I'm listening to this and I know this is a sad song, but it sounds so darn good and fun. I was like, wow, this is a horribly depressing song. <laughs> uh, set to the music of one of the greatest hits of the 60s, like yeah. period. Like everybody knows Ain't No Mountain High Enough and um, and the and the music, but it's just a great, <laughs> what a great song. I, I had it stuck in my head for the last week non-stop it's fantastic it's a bold move too to take something it is, so it iconic is. and so well known <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah. and to like really hold it pretty authentically um yeah you know it's not like the first bars come on and you're like oh that sounds sort of familiar like almost instantly you're like 
Why is yes. she doing a cover of Ain't No Mountain High Enough on this? And then yeah. she never gets to that chorus, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very different. That, when I heard it, I, when I heard, I mean, she starts, I think um, it was a good move. She starts her lyrics right away, you know, so you're not yeah. kind of, oh, oh wow. Yeah. And, right. You know, uh, but I, from the first note, I was like, wait, hang on a sec. <laughs> That's, oh, wow. And then I'll, like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe she pulled it off and she did. And that's how I felt with the whole album, to be honest. As I thought about it, like in 2006, that she pulled off a 60s album <laughs> is is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I think that's one, of, you know, I, I hope I'm not jumping ahead too far. I think that's one of the reasons why this album is here and it's so influential because, you know, uh, she inspired i will save some of this but she inspired so many others to come after her to do maybe not a 60s album but to have that kind of strong vocal presence of a 60s uh solo female artist if she does if this album isn't successful i don't know if if you have that many other acts like her following uh some who have become yeah. larger than life anyways i, I don't want to get too much i will come back to that later was there any what about you i i mean i really wanted to talk about that song so i just kind of jumped in but no that's fine i uh, that's the one that i was compelled by as okay. well we may okay. as well jump ahead and just put it on our uh spotify playlist <laughs> right now yeah <laughs> i don't did you go, go deeper there. and and discover that there's an original ballad version that she had before no. this that it's on of that? um it's on an album that she that was released after her death called Lioness. Um, I saw very that album. But I didn't <laughs> to a, it. Okay. So yeah, I, I also was like, "Wow, what is going on here?" And um, found that song really compelling. Um, I think I am uh, struggling with this album a little bit because of how many times I'd heard Rehab and how little I'd heard the rest okay. of the album. So okay, yeah. I press play and rehab comes on right away and I'm like, okay, I think I know what I'm getting. And then it gets into all this other stuff that feels sort of familiar, but not quite. Um, mm-hmm. I'm struck more by her, her voice and what she does with it than any one song, maybe perhaps with tears dry on their own as the exception to that. Um, it's really a, an interesting interesting uh mix of songs um yes uh me and mr jones maybe should have been chosen as the sound logic podcast theme song um, <laughs> but, uh, we'd uh, have to bleep it <laughs> yeah the, that's true too i am excited because that's a that's a new swear word for me I, i'm i'm almost wondering if i should put uh into my daily uh, repertoire <laughs> <laughs> really in a warehouse that hasn't come up before <laughs> I don't think so. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, funny. Uh, we were listening to this album. Uh, actually, Spotify was just doing a whole bunch of Amy Winehouse stuff, but we were uh, eating supper the other night, and I put it on. And uh, this song, Me and Mr. Jones, came on, and uh, my daughter kind of looked at me with a little gleam in her eye and, and mouthed the first few words when, when she does say that curse. <laughs> and I was like, how do you know? Because I didn't, because she didn't know the album. I know, she knew Rehab. How do you know this? Like, I heard it somewhere. It's like, oh, geez, kids hear everything. And she kind of, you know, she didn't say it out loud, but she knew she could kind of get a rise out of me if she just kind of mouthed it. 
That's <laughs> funny. Kind of funny. I this is an album that um like some of the others we've listened to, I if it was a little cleaner, I'd put it on in the background okay. frequently because I like the sound. Yeah. I like the sort of mood that it creates. Yeah. And the, I don't always want it to be as dark as it gets. <laughs> like she, I don't know. It's It sounds like a bad thing to call her a lounge singer, but she's got kind of like a smoky jazz lounge kind of oh, for sure. sound going on here. Um and I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but I want to have no, this no, no, on no. while I'm sipping an adult beverage in the evening. Yeah. Oh, geez. Something like that. We've talked about really great albums or innovative albums that are not necessarily uh, as listenable. Um, you know, like uh, Velvet Underground, uh, Horses, you know, some great albums, but they're not not as easy to listen to. Uh, they're more challenging. This is very easy to listen to. Like it's it's really, especially if you don't delve too deep into the to the lyrics and get kind of bogged down by that. Very easy to listen to. Um, I, I wanted. I also wanted to talk about uh, number six track. Love is a losing game. Uh, I kept having to check because I was like, I feel like this is a cover. Like this could be right out of the sixties. Uh, it's not. It's another original. Um, but I think that might be the song for me that she captures that era the best, like to, mm-hmm. from the lyrics to the sound. It's just so, so good. The other thing um, I was reading somewhere that people who, who you know, praise to this album afterwards, uh, a lot of people said it reminded them of Phil Spector and the Wall of Sound method. Uh, you do hear oh, that. Yeah. You do hear that where you yeah. get... Um, you know, one of his techniques in that whole method was to have multiple instruments playing the same line. Like instead of having a piano, you have a piano and a keyboard and a harpsichord and you mix them all together. Well, you hear that a bit here, maybe not in the exact same way, but you'll have a maybe a piano, but you'll also have like chimes as well. Like you hear those on rehab, you hear those big chimes, which is again, very 60s, but it adds another layer. Uh, with the extra lyrics, you have another layer with the horns you have another layer and you get a lot of that and the one band i was thinking of uh with some of these although the lyrical content isn't quite the same is uh, the the crystals one of the early oh yeah girl bands that that phil specter produced um and i hear a bit of that and love is a losing game was like you got kind of those you know uh icky sticky bubblegum uh, love songs from acts like that and, and we talked about the lyrics you know when we listen to uh phil specter's back to mono and all those songs by the crystals to me uh you know the lyrics were almost identical for everyone mm-hmm. you know i've i found this man uh he's he's the love of my life he's so sweet he's the one i'm gonna marry um they're they're all pretty much the same you get the other side of the you know um my heart is broken and mm-hmm. and you know I'll never be the same. That's to me. Love is a losing game is like that. It's just very well-crafted, clever lyrics uh, that don't push the envelope too, too much. Very accessible. Yeah. Um, very well-written, uh, very sweet. And uh, I think it really captured that time very, very well. I mean, all the songs do, but that one really jumped out to me. I uh, just, I really like that. A nice little song. It is. I'm glad you said that because it, that kind of redeems it for me. I think I get bored with this album <clears throat> when we roll into what? that section. Um, that slower okay, song that sounds like it's been around forever. 
I kind of like the ones with a bit more of her attitude on display. It's not like Love is a Losing Game is a bad song. It's just there's nothing there that I am compelled by too much. It's an unfair criticism because it's a it's really, really good. And it sounds like a lot of great music that has come before. Um, but it doesn't shake me out of the like it, I think you're right. If you if we had listened to this song on Back to Mono, I wouldn't have remembered it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that that's fair. Maybe. It doesn't seem fair to the artist that crafted it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it like we said, it, it it is very tricky when you are recreating a sound from another era, like so specifically. Mm-hmm. And then she is really she's doing that. I mean, she is obviously putting her own spin on it. Yeah, it's more modern, obviously. But but you know, it you could. I think you're taking a big risk when you do that. Like like with tears dry, my tears dry on their own. Um, mm-hmm. You're taking a big risk. I think she took a few risks. Uh, you know, they they all paid off. <laughs> on this one big time um, but um, well I think she I think she goes back and forth well enough between kind of the faster paced songs and slower paced songs because okay. you get that love is a losing game and then right away followed up with tears dry on their own which is a little more upbeat yeah. at least musically uh, and then I think the, the rest of the album does wind down a bit which I'm okay with like I don't mind an album doing that you don't want to end with you know like something way up tempo it doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. always make sense mm-hmm. um i th- i think uh after you get rehab you know the second track is you know i'm no good and I, and i love like just the it really sets the tone it's fun um it's got that you know bass and saxophone on the bottom end um and and i think does show her personality and then followed by me and mr jones which is kind of which is kind of funny and silly and yeah yeah. You know, it's I I, th- I think she does do a good job with bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will challenge you a little bit on that. <laughs> I like that. I, um, that's a helpful reminder. I think just hearing you say that uh, helps crystallize a few things more for me too. Touche, crystallize. While we're talking about, or while I brought up, uh, you know, I'm no good on the Spotify version of the album. There's a couple couple more tracks, and the the last one is. Uh, a version of you know i'm no good featuring uh the ghost face killer whoa did you listen to that no where is it oh it's really on the, good on the deluxe edition you know i'm no good ghost face uk version so then i started thinking and i meant to compile this i totally forgot i meant to compile this uh as we were tabulating on our last list how many times rolling stone is referenced <laughs> as we go through i wonder mm. if our new one is how many times a member of the wu-tang clan comes up because i think oh, that yeah. might be quite a lot <laughs> as we go through it because um already we've had an album by the wu-tang clan we have ghostface killer show up here maybe not on the original uh but does a version of that and then i believe that the rizzo was on um uh my beautiful dark twisted fantasy so interesting the Ghostface Killer track was on the U.S. Addiction, which apparently I haven't listened to yet. Oh, okay. Huh. It's my bad. But yeah, so that's three. That's three Wu Tang member <laughs> appearances so far. So I'm gonna make. I'll make a spreadsheet for that, and we can we can keep we can keep tabs on that's how many really times funny. someone from the Wu Tang Clan shows up on this list. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess so. I guess, yeah, I guess maybe Spotify has us listening to different tracks. Well, that's good. We can talk about different things. In in general, um, I I love the whole aesthetic and sound of the album. I think she did a great job in that classic 60s sound uh, paired with contemporary lyrics. Yeah. I think it's just dynamite. It's fantastic. And, and I think that's one of the one of the th- reasons it became so popular. And one thing that I said we'd talk about uh, that I want to talk about just a little bit is, you know, we, because of the success of this album, producers specifically in the UK started looking for talented, up-and-coming, strong solo female artists. Um, and I don't think they would have done that if this album hadn't have been successful. When I started preparing for this episode, I was asking myself, why is this yeah. here? I'm sure it's a decent album. She was a, a good, you know, a, a talented artist who was gone too soon. Um, is it just here because of that? And then I started researching that uh, without this album, the producers uh, weren't looking for those acts. So then we might not get, without Back mm. to Black, we might not get Adele. We might not get other acts like Duffy, mm. Estelle, and many other powerful uh, British and and American and other uh, artists, female solo artists. Yeah. This she kind of paved the way, which is again really really sad because she doesn't really get to uh, enjoy the legacy she leaves behind. Uh, it's part of her tragic story, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just think, just think, you know. And we would never really know, but is it possible that nobody really pays attention to Adele because yeah. Back to Black doesn't exist, um, and she's still great, but there's not a there's not a demand for it. So I I think that to me was really the thing that cemented why why this is so influential and so important. Um, and the like I said before, the fact that she pulled off a '60s album in 2006 really cemented her as you know being great if not her in general and i would argue yes but if not at least at very least this album just as a standalone Mm -hmm. just tremendous um we talked about um we both really like tears dry on their own so let's put that as one track for our spotify playlist what would you what would you pick Mm. for a second one ben by the way, "Addicted" is a great track. If you haven't gotten to number eleven, no, I haven't got. I, I haven't listened to it. I gotta listen to it. <laughs> I really like it. Maybe that's. Uh, maybe that's. Um, I don't know. Should we put "Rehab" on there? Since um, I, I mean, it, it's such it. a huge hit. Like, I kind of want All to. Right. Tears dry on their own and "Rehab." Kind of gives you kind of both ends of the album. I think the sort of pop hit and the like, kind of interesting artistic flair that she has if if not that you know then something like uh love is a losing game or or back to black uh where you get that kind of kind of softer feel uh but no those those are those are great choices uh and i'll have to listen to addicted (laughs) at some point so yeah that does bring us to you know kind of getting to some wrap-up questions here so ben Given all that, we talked about this, you know, being a throwback to four decades earlier. We also talked about how this has influenced artists who are really, really popular and successful today, or at least in the last five, ten years. Is this album still relevant right now? Um, Certainly from a talent level and production value, 
Um, this is absolutely still relevant, even with its sort of throwback sound. I think cancel culture, the Me Too movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, with some of the the heightened awareness, I wonder how a single like rehab would do right now if that was a 2021 leading song because it's sort of making Very light of well maybe especially in hindsight in light of her demise and so I, I find myself wondering if that's what dates this more than anything else I I can't imagine this I, I think it would come on the radio now and people would be sort of like that's a catchy song but what's she singing about and should we be thinking this is funny um and so I, that, that's maybe my only pause. I, I also wonder, too, if she would have had the longevity sticking with this sound. It's really good, but I don't know that I finish this album and think, boy, I want a whole nother album of this, too. Um, that's less about this album's longevity and more about whether Amy Winehouse would have remained relevant moving forward. And so maybe that's a bit of an unfair uh, part of this conversation. But those are my thoughts. I think that's that's a fair angle. Um, I feel I, I'm gonna contradict that just a little bit. I feel it is very relevant for a few different reasons. Number one, I talked about you know the acoustic big sound. I think that still um, there are still artists who find a way to weave that yeah. into you know mainstream pop culture. We we do hear you know with we do hear the the electronic the the manufactured sounds absolutely still being very popular think about an artist yep. like uh, Bit billy eilish um where they pro- they i don't think anything hardly anything that they produce her and her brother is is you know has been created organically it's all been manufactured um and i don't say that in a negative way because obviously that music mm-hmm. is great and popular and very successful um but I still think there's tons of room for this this acoustic organic sound that we get here, um, and there's a lot of acts who are doing very well with it. I think that uh, the strong female solo artist is is as relevant as ever, and we need we yeah. still desperately need those uh, voices and those figures. Uh, and as much as uh, as a role model, maybe Amy Winehouse would be the first choice um you know as the the person you mm-hmm. want your young daughter to aspire to however musically um she she was very powerful and, and paved yeah. the way for others like adele um to to be kind of that figure so i think that mm-hmm. that part is relevant as well if you can look past some of the personal struggles and some of the the struggles right. even portrayed on this album um so yes, I think there's still a relevance. I, I agree with you that you know there's some, some there's some of the lyrics and you know looking at rehab a little could be a little problematic today. Uh, I think it was a little problematic at the time as well, but I think it was tongue in cheek enough yeah. that people were able to laugh it yeah. off, whether yeah. that was appropriate or not. Um, almost like right. oh she's got it under control, you know, like kind of just brush it off because she was able to make. Mm-hmm. quote make a joke out of it I'm not saying that song was a joke but but she was able to kind of make it tongue in cheek so that's okay if we do too which obviously is not <laughs> something I would uh, endorse but yeah. I think that's kind of what happened so yes I think it's still relevant and I think that if she I think her style would have had to change a little bit 
if she were to have continued um she couldn't have done you know three four more albums just like that but uh just like other bands like i think about an act like uh we talked recently about greta van fleet it's an act that came out a few years ago that sounded almost identical to um to uh, led zeppelin uh, from the lyrics to the guitar to the song and and people were just blown away but right away people were saying well yeah. you can't but you can't just keep doing that you know you can't do another album just sound like yes people go oh wow sounds like that that's cool but you gotta re you gotta adapt and they did their next album they they reinvented themselves you know they started sounding on their own and i think yeah. amy winehouse would have had to do a bit of that too um but again we can't really we can't really speculate speculate uh well, and it's it's fun that she's here at number thirty three. She joins yeah. Beyonce and Patty and Carol and Aretha, Aretha, Lauren Hill, Lauren and Joni, and Joni um, as our some strong female uh, voices here. All uh, just about all coming in before we had one on the 2012 list yeah so. yeah it was it wasn't until number 30 where we got one female artist yeah. um, and this is uh this is our last uh, female artist in the top 40 we won't get another female artist for for some time <laughs> uh wow which is, yeah you're right 56 yeah, number 56 liz fair wow. um unfortunately uh we're getting a bit of that <laughs> Maybe that was the compromise. They they top loaded it, but then said, "Okay, well, yeah, yeah." So, um, but um, so how do you do? You think that uh, that position is sound logic? Ben thirty three up in the the company of those other female artists. What do you think? I think I was prepared to say no. um, No, no, no. Bigger, yeah. No, no, no. A bigger, more. lasting artist like Adele should be up here in this spot but given what you've uh, reminded us of, of her being a pioneer that seems very RS500 of them to put mm-hmm. uh, sort of a yeah. leading figure in this spot uh, who paved the way for others and, and so I think that that makes me rationalize this as a justifiable position I'm you know, this is another one. One of the, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, one of the top five biggest jumps from the last list to this one. Uh, 451 to 33. And um, yeah. yeah, I am curious to see what another decade does for this ranking. If, if we're still humming along to rehab or if she's considered a pioneer who maybe doesn't wind up on the top of the list right somewhere down in the in the next hundred or so um, i'm curious to see what happens there no i think i think you're right i i could see this dropping a bit i think you could be a pioneer but not be as relevant yeah anymore you know that's there's something wrong about that it just happens with yeah. time uh i i want to reiterate what you said about you know when i started this i didn't understand why this was number 33 on the list I thought it was way too high um up on the list but after listening and doing some research i i feel yes definitely uh definitely deserves to be here yeah very rs 500 to put you know kind of a pioneer but i think it makes sense and then we one thing we haven't talked about is you know the the pool of people who voted you know think about some of the young artists Mm -hmm. young female Mm -hmm. artists who are voting and and i'm sure that she has influenced them as well so 
um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think this is a good spot. I think I wouldn't put it too much higher, but uh, I have no problem with it being here. Uh, that's good. Um, unfortunately, this is the, the the one and only time we talk about Amy Winehouse on the list. This is one of only two albums she produced and the only one on this list. So uh, we say hello and goodbye to Amy Winehouse, but um, glad we got to listen to it. A, a, fun, a good album. Uh, fun sometimes sad other times and certainly a tragic story but uh, we see that her uh, her legacy lives on in other artists well said and we can soothe that sadness of saying goodbye with the album that's coming up next one of my favorites uh, Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions comes in at number 34 it's uh, knocked down 10 spots from the original list I had this one I think in my number one slot for a while in our um, earlier rankings but uh, it'll be fun to revisit it again and hear some of my thoughts on how that's changed and hear some of your thoughts on what we think about this Uh, we'll have that for you next time until then we hope you continue to be well that you take care of yourself and those around you and we'll talk to you next time here on the sound logic podcast if you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.